When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in Rose City to an emergency episode of Soccer Made in Portland. Those are the sirens. I did sirens. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have siren sound effects to add right now. No, but just that was that was Chris Reifer. Uh, <laughs> I'm Ryan Clark, joined by the siren man himself, Chris Reifer. Uh, big news, obviously, out of PTFC today. Santiago Moreno uh, has requested a transfer from the Portland Timbers. Uh, that's according to a report by me. Uh, Santiago. <laughs> Santiago. Uh he he requested a, a transfer and and uh feels unappreciated by the Timbers organization as you know contract extension talks that he'd been having with the team had broken down that's according to multiple people who had direct knowledge of those negotiations uh Santi's signed with the team through 2026 but he was looking to get a pay raise um and and there's also an issue on the surface here with with uh, coach Gio Savarese where um, Moreno doesn't feel like he is being utilized correctly in Gio's system. Obviously, it's been a rough year on the field for Santi. Uh, zero goals and, and six assists, which you know leads the team in assists, but the goal production or re- lack thereof um, is is a concern. And so, all of those issues coalescing to to now him officially telling Ned Grabovoy that he wants out of Portland. He doesn't want to be here anymore and, and wants to seek an opportunity with another club. Um, Ned Grabovoy responded to those issues today, saying that Santi is a player that their club continues to have strong belief in since their initial investment, going on to say that the team made multiple attempts to work toward a contract improvement without any outcome. Um, and and the staff, he said the staff is continuing to support Santi and his development on and off the field. You know, just the, the stuff that, the stuff that you know, you'd as, expect as a GM, you, yeah. yeah, that you would have to say it in this type of situation. Um, and, and right now the, the Timbers are in a position where this is, this is a, another issue um, bubbling up between a player and Gio Savarese. Um, this coming after Gio had criticized his players publicly for what he described as a lack of effort uh, in their recent matches, including that, that, really brutal four to one loss in Minnesota last weekend. Horrific. Uh, awful game. That's really and, all I have and, to say about that game. Just awful. Yeah. There's your recap of, of that. <laughs> game. But, um, but you know, the, that Minnesota game was, was a catalyst potentially for, for this situation, because you're talking about um, geo calling out players, not by name, but uh, naming players who were giving effort. And, and, you know, Moreno was not on that list. And then Moreno ends up being benched 
for the start of that Colorado game, which was uh, postponed midway through and was not really very appetizing. A lot of weird to begin with. Hey, I just want to say, like, this has been a, a long intro by you, and yeah, and, extremely, and and, and, and this, that is not a criticism of you. It's because <laughs> a lot of it. We talked less, less than a week ago. We talked six days ago in this space where we record us talking to each other and then put it out on the internet. Uh, a lot has happened uh, since since we last spoke. Uh, and yeah, uh, it, 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 a lot has happened. Uh, some of it has been, you know, wild, like starting games and not finishing them. Uh, some of it has been uh, terrible, like the Minnesota game. And some of it has been not surprising, but still very bad, like the Santi news. So, so yeah, it's been wild, terrible, and su- not surprising, but bad. What was your reaction then when you saw the Santi news, and and what do you make of of where where things are at with the team's culture? Just just given that, well, the mentality is not good. Uh, I guess I start there. <laughs> uh, the the mentality is is not good. I think we can we can put that one to bed. <laughs> the the mentality debate is over. It leaves something to be desired. Uh. So I, I, I mean, look, I mean, that is that is just blindingly obvious at this point. And there, I, I think I think there's always a temptation over the course of something like this to try to find explanations for what you're seeing on the field um, that kind of go beyond what is most apparent, uh, because frankly, it's it's boring to come talk every week whether you're talking on twitter or with your friends or on a podcast uh and say the same thing over and over again (laughs) that what you see is actually what you get uh and so uh, you know i mean we we've we've talked about lots of kind of like micro strings over the course of this this timber season but i think what we're seeing from santi is a not surprising it he's not been playing consistently he's not been playing like somebody who's engaged uh, and like somebody who's bought in. Uh, and so am I surprised that he's upset with the direction of the team? Am I surprised that there is a disconnect between he and Gio? Not even a little bit. Um, and I think like that's, we've been seeing that from a number of players. And so it, and Santi would have been near the top of my list. And and we saw that little blip pop up that kind of popped up just out of nowhere at the end of the last transfer window. Uh, about LA Galaxy offering uh, a bunch for him. A lot of times when things like that pop up, it's because agents are in the background, and that's how a lot of this happens, kind of poking around for things and leaking things. Uh, and uh, and so, you know, when you see something like that pop up just like out of nowhere, because it's not like the Timbers have been, oh, we're looking to offload somebody. There, there, there had been nothing like that. It came out of the clear blue sky. And so, like, that puts your antenna up a little bit. And between what we'd seen on the field from Santi, which is lots of talent, but frankly, a lot of inconsistency and a lot of pretty poor performances, I, I think it's fair to say. But Gio's not wrong in saying that he has not been bought in, or in, I guess implying that he has not been bought in. Uh, he's not wrong about that. That's been plain to see. And so when you combine those two things, you're not surprised at all. And when you look at the team's performance as a whole, I think you see that from a number of guys. And so, you know, I mean, it, like kind of go down the list. 
I yeah, I mean none of that doesn't surprise me. And I think the I think the the thing that that it raises is that you have to now start asking questions about where how did we get here first of all and where do the timbers go from here because it's not like this is just one you know upset player and don't don't get me wrong things like this happen all the time ned grabavoy is not the first gm in mls history to receive a request for a trade or transfer from a player he is not the first uh, GM in the city of Portland this week <laughs> no, in sports that's, that's right. to, to receive such a request. That's right. Yes. Uh, he is, I, I mean, we know he is not the, the, this is not the first request for a trade he's received from a Timbers player. Uh, we'll circle back to that in a moment. Uh, but I, it, this happens. And it can even happen on teams where everything is is perfectly healthy and fine. Like, you can totally see circumstances. In fact, I think we've even had some such circumstances in Portland. Uh, Marco Farfan, I think, sort of quietly uh, and behind behind the scenes requested a trade where a player isn't kind of getting the minutes that they want and they're not in the, in the place in the team that they want and they think that they want to go somewhere else to to try to carve out a bigger role. By the way, totally worked out for Marco, who's a regular starter now for FC Dallas via LAFC, where he also started a bunch. Uh, so those things happen in the background, I think, with some regularity. What's unusual is that we've seen these kind of blow up now twice in the last year, Eric Williamson being the other one that I'm referring to at the end of last season, in which the re- the kind of stated reason or the obvious reason from other social media statements, I suppose, uh, was a disconnect between the player and Gio. Not, it's not because the player isn't getting enough minutes uh, or, you know, isn't starting on the merits sort of when, you know, the coach doesn't rate them and they want to go somewhere else so that they can try to make an impression with another coach who might rate them better. It's not that. Uh, it's been a disconnect between starting quality players, starters, and Gio Savarese. And I, I think that's really worrying, <laughs> frankly. Um, and that's not to say that I think Gio is a bad guy. I don't. That's not to say that Gio, I think Gio is a bad coach. I don't think that. Um, Gio has accomplishments in Portland that you can't take away and that speak for themselves and that would not have been possible if he was a bad soccer coach. Got to two MLS Cups. One MLS is back. Like, y- you can't do those things if you're a bad soccer coach and you don't know what you're doing. But that doesn't answer the question of whether he, of whether he and this team are working well together. And I think when you have two starters, prominent players requesting trades because of issues with the coach, and that's just the tip of the iceberg that you do see, I think you have to start asking questions about whether this combination of coach and players is working. Right. And, you know, there are additional threads to it that, um, that add to, to the potential issues that might undermine uh, Gio Savarese's ability to lead this team, right? You have the issue that popped up with Alia Zivicic earlier this year uh, where he essentially called Gio a liar about yeah. uh, the reason why Bingham was starting and why uh, why Ivicic was not in the team. Slightly different um, nature, but yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, along a similar vein. Right, and and so those type of situations are also 
those those threads that that connect to to what could potentially be a larger issue with the team's culture here and that is something that you know the timbers are are going to have to either figure out or answer for in in the coming days and weeks right that santiago moreno um has has reached a, a potential point of no return here with going public with a, a transfer demand i mean that is an extremely rare occurrence in mls it's a rare occurrence in any soccer league, but particularly in MLS where these opportunities are so tenuous for these young players who are often coming from difficult situations uh, in their home countries. Like it's, he's, he's putting a lot on the line here. And, and um, this, this is a unique situation for, for that reason. And, and just speaking on a, a reporting sense, I have not heard anything specific from the Timbers organization that leads me to believe that Gio Savarese's job is in jeopardy. But if you take a look at the results of this season, the second straight season where they're they're outside of the playoff picture, they could get back in eventually, obviously. But right now, they're not looking like a team that's going to end up in the playoff picture. You have the competitive issues. You have these issues also pulling threads away at at uh, that situation and, and making it more difficult for him and undermining him as a leader. He would admit to that himself that stuff like this makes it harder for him to reach players Santi or not. Yeah. It's not good. <laughs> um, this doesn't strengthen uh, a, a leader. And I, you know, I think I've been on, on record in this space as saying that I don't think Gio Savarese will be fired under, you know, any foreseeable circumstances in this season. Uh, I'm beginning to rethink that. I think it's a real possibility. Uh, because of those combination of things. I mean, what, what is the tenable path forward if you have not only a manager who's not getting results, but a manager who's lost the locker room? Maybe the, they'll go about sort of the the sort of fulsome roster turnover that would be needed to, to do that, but that's really hard to do in one season, uh, to really turn things over enough to really turn a leaf on on these kinds of things especially if they're as widespread as i think frankly you would only be reasonable to suspect at this point uh and so you know i i think that's that's become a real question uh i i feel bad about it because i like geo uh you know my uh my perspective on on geo as 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 the manager of the timbers frankly his style is not my preferred style to watch uh, but he has proven himself to be a good problem solver. He frankly has gotten two teams. Uh, I, I, I thought both the 2018 team, he solved a ton of problems over the course of that season and got them into a place where they can make a run to, to MLS cup. The 2020 team I thought was legitimately super fun to watch. Uh, and I, I think that was his best work, uh, in a single year. Uh, when, uh, yeah, he had a lot of talent in that attack, but he also put a lot of players in the right positions to let them be effective. Uh, he had intelligent players and he gave them the the freedom to express that intelligence. Uh, and I thought did did a phenomenal job in that year. Uh, and, and the Timbers were also just really good. They won MLS's back and they, they, I think were second in the West. If my memory is serving me right, uh, at the end of the regular weird, the regular, the irregular, regular season, uh, and you know, I, I thought it was, a, it was a phenomenal season. 2021 obviously got to MLS cup and I thought did in, in a way in, in which he was really pragmatic about the tools that he had 
And toward the end of that season, he really sort of molded the team in a way that capitalized on their strengths uh, and and let them grow from a team that was really kind of trudging through the first half into a team that was dominant in the second half of that season and legitimately dominant. Not necessarily the most attractive on the field, but the results were absolutely undeniable uh, in, in terms of what they did from the summer on in 2021. As I said, you can't do those things if you're a bad soccer coach. And so, yeah, there are a few kicks away from being, you know, 2021 MLS yeah. Cup winners. <laughs> yeah. and, and for him to, to bring the, the franchise its second championship. So, we're not talking about a, a person here who has been, you know, middle of the road, kind of scooting along by, by the skin of his teeth in this situation. This is a, a successful coach who, for the last two seasons, the results have not been there. Yeah. And, and the, the concern at this point uh, uh, among fans and, and now obviously very publicly among players is, um, you know, the, the culture situation and the ability for him to, to reach the players that are in this locker room right now. And, and that ends up being a disqualifying concern, you know, not understanding all the great things that he's done in the past. And I think genuinely indisputably great things that he's done uh, with the Timbers in the past uh, in those 2018, 2020 and 2021 seasons. Uh, I mean, coaching, there's a reason why very, very few coaches stay in places for a long time. And he's in his sixth year in Portland, if I don't know, like counting is hard, but sixth year in Portland, that's, I mean, that's got to be in the top 10% of, you know, top flight soccer coaching tenures easily, I would think. Uh, And there's a reason for that. It's, yeah, it's a what have you done for me lately job. That's right. Question. That's right. And you're always a, a you know a bad year or two away from being on the hot seat. There's always a sort of evolving dynamics within a locker room because you have different, you know, I mean you have slightly different players and every year you have a different team, you have players aging out, you have some players coming, you know, sort of aging in. It, those dynamics always change and then you just have the fact that over time sometimes messages just get stale. And voices just get stale and those things happen. And, and so, you know, I mean, it, it's sort of the nature of the job. It's where, you know, something can be good and then kind of lose its potency. And that's why coaches end up moving on. I think you, frankly, I was actually thinking today, sort of as I was, uh, as, as this was happening, I was thinking back on when Caleb Porter left in 2017 and everybody found it so shocking and it kind of gave me a little bit of a new perspective on that, where I was kind of thinking, well, maybe, I mean, maybe there was a reason for that. Maybe he kind of felt that starting to happen. And he was like, you know what? I don't, I don't want to go until it's bad. <laughs> like, I want to, I'll step out now while it's still okay, instead of going another year and kind of having it trudge on um, for a bit with a group that I feel kind of starting to slip away. And so I, I think these things happen, but when they do, you just need to have the ability to realize that things need to move on. And I'm, I'm concerned, frankly, that they were at that point last off season and, and had they had somebody in place who could kind of take a fulsome view of these things would have been able to make the, the larger changes that they clearly needed to make in the off season to put them in a better stead in 2023. They basically ended up rolling it back with the same coach and with, basically the same players that were obviously not in a great place to start to, to end 2022. And I think to some extent, this is kind of the, 
predictable outcome, right? You, you had something that was really showing some signs of being broken at the end of 2022. People underrate that last performance in Salt Lake. The, literally, the season was on the line. And they were terrible from kickoff. Like never yeah, Gio has admitted himself that that players, you know, quit in that game in the way that they did in that Minnesota match last weekend, same way that they did in, you know, the Atlanta match earlier this year in the early part of the season. Um, he he has publicly said to the media that those are games that his team has has essentially quit. You know what the Timbers you know who the Timbers front office needed in that moment when that was when that happened? They needed a siren guy. Not like in the in the Greek uh, in the in the like Odyssey sense, but like in in the sense of me earlier in this podcast, there's somebody going woo 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 woo, like hey, there's a big problem here, <laughs> like that, like that 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 is a a a siren red flag, whatever you want to call it, moment when you have literally the season on the line and the team comes out, you have one of your best players who's DNPCD, and then you have the team that is put on the field comes out and lays an absolute egg. Woo, 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 woo. And yet. Yeah. The Instagram post from, from Eric too. After yeah. that happened with the <laughs> F around and find out that uh, meme. Yeah. And, I mean that, that those things are wee, woo, wee, woo moments. Exactly. And for sure. And, and when you go from that to not changing much to starting 2023, there have been lots of like nautical references today, sinking ships, yada, yada, yada. I think the ship sunk basically in February when they kicked off this season with basically, you, you know, with, with the the same team that they that they finished in that woo 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 moment, that ship sank because it was never seaworthy. The second they tied it, untied it from the dock, boom, straight to the bottom of the harbor. And I think there's a good argument that what we're seeing now is not the ship sinking. It's like the wreckage washing ashore. Because the ship sank when they didn't change anything from the woo woo moment. It's a pivotal moment for for the team i think because you're talking about a transfer window now that started today so this is the the first news of this transfer window save for obviously the signing of miguel araujo who you know joins the team welcome welcome (laughs) miguel uh to joins the team this week uh from um he's from peru he's he's a guy that has some some national team experience and adds depth at the center back spot but you know beyond that news which was obviously you know put out there in advance of this transfer window opening. Um, he's eligible now. That's that's the, an underpinning of that. He's eligible to play as soon as that next match on July 15th against Columbus. But that's a pretty big gap between now and then, and, and a, a gap during which the Timbers are probably asking some questions. And the team is is dealing with these different bubbling issues of internal strife in addition to the fact that on the field, their results have been very poor and, you know, had the weather not made it. So last night, they very well (laughs) could have left Colorado without a point. If, if one bad moment led to, to Colorado scoring, because there was no way on earth that the Timbers were going to put a, put a goal in in that stratosphere of it. No, no, they had no shots through like 35 minutes and you know, the conditions were bad, but, we don't really need to talk about the. You know what else is bad? Colorado game. is also very bad. Colorado is, a very <laughs> and many bad other game. teams have found ways to score many, many goals on Colorado this year. And the Timbers didn't look anywhere close. I mean, it, it looked like another woo 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 performance. Frankly. Yeah, beyond beyond. I mean, you know, short rest, 
after a really bad loss in Minnesota, you know, is a recipe for, for disaster. But even, even then it was, it was not a good first 45. They will play the next 45 sometime later this year. Um, (laughs) I, I had heard rumblings in fact, that, that MLS wanted to play the game uh, today, wanted to play the second half of the game today on July 5th. Um, which is kind of insane <laughs> to tell you the truth, but yeah, it would have, it would have gotten that off the, the docket for the Timbers and they wouldn't have to worry about it down the road. The the thing for that game though, is there were so many players injured and potent and not eligible in the case of Araujo for, for that game that none of them are going to be able to play in that next 45. Right. So, so you're running the risk, even though Colorado's still trotting out their same group uh, of, of dropping a result because you're shorthanded. So that's that's scary for the Timbers when they're still three points out of the playoff picture. But, you know, they could if they do turn it around, which doesn't seem likely. But if they do uh, that final 45 can end up being the difference between being in or out. Very well uh, it could, although the math on that is is even starting to become a bit more daunting of even just getting in to the playoffs, which, as as we've discussed, I regard as. I, the the sentence structure setting this up was very poor. It ain't shoot. I guess in that sentence structure, I'd have to, I have to say it's not shoot, which isn't a thing. Just a biff by me. Uh, but it, that that words are hard. That sentence also sank in the harbor. Uh, but <laughs> nonetheless, you know, I I guess the the question that's been going sort of going around in my mind since I've I've now moved off the I don't think Geo is on the hot seat take. I think Geo is on the hot seat. Uh, and I think he sort of has to be at this point as a result of this. Uh, let's put a pen. We should come back to sort of how we think the Santi related situation, whether he's going to move, when he's going to move, et cetera, will, will play out. Uh, we'll come back to that. But with respect to Gio, the question in my mind is, is whether he is imminently in danger of, of losing his job or, or, or whether that's something that is more likely at the end of the season and I genuinely don't know. I do not get much of a sense. I, 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 A, have absolutely no sense of what is actually going on in the minds uh, of the folks uh, leading the Timbers. Clearly, they think in a different way than I do. So I'm not, I'm not uh, the best person to be divining what is, uh, what is going on in their heads. Um, but, I, I mean, this is the kind of thing that even if the team was sort of of the mind of, well, let's get to the end of the season and we'll figure it out. This is the kind of thing that if it happens can move up that timeline uh, pretty quickly because quite frankly, there's just no reason to burn a relationship with somebody like Santiago Moreno if your plan was to part ways with Gio at the end of the season anyway, right? Then why not move that up and do it now so that maybe you have a chance to keep this really talented player um, uh, and 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 give them an opportunity to, to get established under a new coach? Do you have any... Uh, I imagine just rank speculation uh, or thoughts on that at this point. I, I think it's, it's a, I, for me, it seems genuinely uncertain uh, about whether that's something that could be happening shortly. Uh, this would be frankly, pretty ideal timing. They have one league game in the next month. Uh, so if you wanted to undergo a transition, it's literally no better time than, than right now to be able to do that and have training time and frankly have some leagues cup time to like, get things settled down before you're back into these league games. Uh, but I, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I also don't think that this is an organization that frankly pivots 
quite as decisively uh, as would be required to make a move uh, right now with frequency. And so, uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts? I, you know, I don't have any just out front concrete information from people anonymous or otherwise in the organization that would lead me to believe either way, right? But but just looking at it as an objective observer from the outside, that I think that is a legitimate possibility when you have a break like this. It, it happens in a lot of different sports, you know, that natural pause that exists where, you know, players are gone, uh, emotions are where they are, and and teams make moves. So I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. If I were a betting man and I had to guess when a move like that would happen, if it would happen... I would also say the end of the season because there is a certain shame an organization undergoes, particularly those at the top of an organization, when you give a contract extension to somebody and then have to turn around and either trade them in the case of a player or fire them in the case of a coach. Within a year, um, with, within a year of, of giving that extension, that would obviously be a, a black mark on the timbers front office and they would be and a lot of money to, out of their pockets to have to do that yeah and it's a whole lot of money that you're spending to to do something like that so um whether that's a motivating factor or not is is irrelevant i think that just given the optics given the the nature of of the season where they're at in the season progress wise um if a move like that were to happen i would guess it would probably happen at the end of the season but again Nothing has led me to believe that that Geo's job is in danger right now in terms of the info I have received from the team. <laughs> other other the, than the results and everything else. Yeah, the, the results and, and are, are the atmospherics. <laughs> yeah, the, those the things that you see, whether you're a journalist like me. Wow, that rhymed. Or, uh, <laughs> or, or an objective observer um, or a fan or, or anybody on the outside. Those those things would lead you to believe that yeah the, the seat is hot and it's it's something that you know Geo's is going to talk about for sure in the coming days not his job security necessarily but the the locker room issues and uh, you know next time he's available I'm going to ask him about it and we're going to hear his response and you're telling him your questions will... in advance he knows I'm going <laughs> to ask about that. Well, Come on. Who knows? Maybe I, I thought maybe you were going to ask about Eric Miller as center back. I might. You might. It won't okay. be my first but, question. But that's going to be the one that's going to be the one you're going to ambush him with. You're going to be like, you're expecting the one about the obvious locker room culture issues. But tell me about Eric Miller at center back and how that played out in 45 minutes against Colorado. <laughs> what do you have to say to that? Yeah. How'd that work, chief? Um, no, I will not be leading with, with that question, but, um, next time Gio is available, I will obviously ask him the, the, the topic that you wanted to touch on earlier that I think is an important one as yeah. well is, um, you know, moving Santi, what that looks like, what the timeline looks like. Um, the, the window goes through August 2nd, right from today, which is July 5th. Um, so you have a little under a month to, to potentially, make that move if you're going to make it in this window. Um, sources within the team have told me they have received zero formal offers from Santiago Moreno. Now that flies in the face of previous reporting I've done where team sources told me they received an offer from another MLS team. Others reported that that was the LA Galaxy. Um, they received an offer from them for Santi for $2 million in GAM. 
which is general allocation money for those who are not familiar. <laughs> um, that would have been a, a trade essentially to the galaxy for Santi. Um, I had heard at the time that that is something that Santi wanted. And the situation has now risen to the level where there are likely other teams who would and already have expressed interest in, in Santi either, either to his representation or to the team or what have you. But at, at this point, this morning, as of the, the writing of the story on the Santi situation, they say they've not received any formal offers. Now, what does that mean going forward? That means that those offers are going to have to be received, negotiated, discussed ad nauseum as they so often are. And and the wheels in MLS do not turn very fast. They don't turn fast for the Timbers especially, but they don't turn fast in general. And him being moved within this window can happen, but it will not happen unless the Timbers receive what they believe is a fair price. And they have, they have told that to me privately and through the, the course of my reporting that they, they want to, make money back on the investment that they put into him, which he was a guy that they brought in under U 22 who, um, you know, they invested a lot in initially. And so some offer just to get him off the books and to, to get rid of the locker room headache, that's not going to happen. So they, they, they want compensation that they believe is fair given their valuation of him, but he hasn't done himself favors or them favors in that regard by having what has been a really poor, season he hasn't scored a goal he's played 21 games and as one of your featured attacking players has not scored a goal he has six assists and has done well to to involve himself in that way that still leads the team but it's it's one of those situations like who's gonna blink first and right now we don't know and the thing that that really sort of makes it so that the Timbers don't have to do anything that they really don't want to do is the fact that you reported earlier today that Santi is under contract with them through 2026. Uh, now, part, some of those years are probably option years. And we have seen in the past uh, some, some disputes uh, about the validity of MLS options. Uh, and those disputes have, have at times gotten ugly. Uh, the Camilo Sanvezzo, uh, the situation comes to mind immediately. There have been a number of others. Um, when Camilo went down to Querétaro, Querétaro basically got him for pennies on the dollar after he scored, he won the golden boot in Vancouver, I think in 2012, uh, and then went down to Liga MX for pennies on the dollar um, because Vancouver insisted that they had an option for him. They did have an option for him, uh, but he signed with uh, Querétaro and then they uh basically challenged MLS to to litigate the enforceability of 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 the option years uh and essentially essentially MLS was kind of strong-armed into having to reach a settlement uh on that because they didn't want to litigate the enforceability of those so if some of those years uh going to 2026 and it stands to reason that they are are club option years there might be some issues there but that notwithstanding the fact that he, that he at least uh, on paper is under club control through 2026 really p- gives the Timbers a lot of cards in determining how they're going to approach this situation. And, and I, so I, it, it allows them really to, to say, we're not going to take an offer that we don't think is his fair market value. Cause if he was say out of contract at the end of 2023 and their contract 
uh, their extension negotiations had broken down, then it would be they either lose him today for something or they lose him at the end of the year and there's not going to be anything in any likelihood meaningful that happens between now and the end of the year for nothing. And so the Timbers would just have to take what they can get. Here, at least, they have the cards of, of, of having him under club control for a long period of time. And I think the decision about whether, how aggressively, I guess I'll say, they look to shop him probably depends a lot on on what we just talked about, their plans for keeping Gio. You have to think that that if if they plan to keep Gio into 2024, it they're probably going to have to move Santi. And, you know, the the iron is probably hottest now than it will be after a prolonged dispute, probably followed by lack of play or poor play uh, going forward. Uh, so, I mean, you know, there would be some some motivation to do it sooner rather than later to preserve his value. But, you know, if if they have other designs, <laughs> then they might not be inclined to move him because they might think his his value isn't as good now as it will be after he has an opportunity to show himself under a new coach. So, I mean, all the, and that's why all of these decisions kind of end up to be getting mixed together and and they become more timely than they otherwise would be. Because part of your decision-making about what to do with Santi, and he's an important player, he's a good player, he's a valuable player, and so you're going to think about these things, is based on what you're thinking about doing from the leadership perspective with Gio. So, I I don't know. I, I think this is genuinely all up in the air. Uh, I, I have been dismissive previously uh, of the the chances that, that Gio Savarese will leave uh, during the year, or certainly during the year, or even at the end of the year. Now I think uh, all all possibilities are on the table because of this. I'm going to shift gears here um, for the last bit of the podcast, Some uh, something a little more normal, a little more traditional topic, just looking back at the Portland Thorns and what they did over the weekend. Um, you know, they, they are not dealing with such issues as trade requests and, and the like. But they are missing some players in terms of the World Cup, which has, you know, an obvious impact on their abilities on the field to to compete with other teams. And, you know, that that's not the reason for the result on on the weekend, which was a one zero loss to Kansas City. Uh, The the current came in and were outshot twenty six to five, which is crazy, a crazy margin, regardless of the result. But for yeah. it to be a winning result for the team that had five is nutso. Um, very frustrating, obviously, for the Thorns because they feel like they controlled the match throughout. Um, Sam Coffey wore the captain's armband for the first time in the regular season, uh, her second time wearing it uh, after that Challenge Cup match at the midweek. Um, and, and she was superb. And there were other players like Olivia Moultrie um, who, who played really well. Um, I, I think that Izzy Dequila at the nine, um, had her best game as a pro and, and was putting some really good shots on the frame of goal that, you know, one of them even bounced off the, the post and, and she was so upset about that one. And I would be too, as a striker, right? That's, that's what you get paid for is, is to put the ball in the net and they, you know, they hate it when it bounces off, believe me, <laughs> it's, it was brutal, but that, that was a, 
um, a tough loss for the Thorns. It's a regular season loss, so it dropped them uh, from first in the table to second behind the North Carolina Courage. Uh, only a point back of the Courage, so nothing to really you know, worry yourself over too much. Um, but to take a loss in one of the two guaranteed regular season games without your six World Cup participants, the second being in Gotham this weekend, um, is tough. And, and you know, I, I don't think it's a... a bellwether or a sign that there are cracks in the armor for for the thorns i think there are definitely issues mike norris has been working through over the last several weeks that have led to some of these results they don't like in the regular season but they're missing a lot of players first off and and second off I, i think that these players who are left do need time to integrate with one another and this match result aside was a sign that they are integrating well and they are playing Portland Thorns soccer uh in the way that they like to play it and they were they were dominant with 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 respect to that match except for the one goal except for the one goal it's yeah it reminds me that I'm I'm a big fan of the West Wing there's a scene in the first season in which Leo McGarry the chief of staff goes to Jed Bartlett McGarry is 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 really into this like missile defense system that the president doesn't think is ever going to work uh and 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 McGarry's like been following the chief of staff is following the the test uh, of this missile defense system and he he comes to the president excitedly and he's like sir it it, it met nine out of ten criteria and the president's like oh yeah what's what's the one that it that it didn't meet he's like well it missed the target and the president's like it's just that tenth criterion it's just that tenth one. Uh, I mean, the, that's that's kind of like the how, how you feel about this Thorns game, right? Uh, I, you know, I, I this was not a this was not a woo 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 uh, kind of result. I totally agree. Uh, and and there are lots of things. Uh, there there are lots of qualifiers that go on the results during this World Cup stretch, and there aren't that many league games, which is a little bit helpful for the Thorns. Uh, still, it. You know, in these kinds of windows, it does become kind of a results only business. Uh, and and it is it really is a matter of just getting as many points as you can. And I think you would probably look at this game, even with it being a game uh, where the Thorns are missing a number of players against a Kansas City team that's been just downright bad at home and say, gosh, those are really three points that you want. And there were uh issues with the refereeing that I think were probably like the challenge cup game right before it, not necessarily game decisive, but nonetheless frustrating. Uh, and, and, you know, there were those kinds of things and, and, and the wonkiness with the stats, but it's just that 10th criterion. Right. And, and, and so uh, in, in a race, that's going to be as tight as I think the NWSL shield race is going to be. And the playoff seating race is going to be, uh, those are three points that you really probably are counting on. And so I, I think that is a loss, even if I, I definitely agree with everything that you said, that it doesn't necessarily, I mean, frankly, it doesn't even have me as, as troubled as even the win at Chicago did <laughs> uh, in terms of their, of their long-term prospects. So, you know, that 10th criterion is important. Let's not lose sight of it, but, but I agree that there's, there, there are not alarms going off necessarily about this result. Yeah, I think there's more to be gleaned from that 4-2 win against Washington where Sophia Smith just went nuclear and had a had a hat trick and you know Sam Coffey was playing at an elite world-class level uh as a 6. 
there's more to be gleaned from that. I think for the Thorns fortunes down the stretch of the season, when those world cup players come back, than this one, um, you know, the, the form does carry through. And I think that it, it is on the players who are left to maintain like a high quality of play as the players start to reintegrate themselves as players like Hina Sugita, Rocky Rodriguez probably start coming back before the U S players and the Canada players, potentially we don't get in the business of predicting such things, but it's much more likely that those players are going to start coming back first. And, and the U S ones will be last. You have two games that are guaranteed with all six of them gone. The Gotham one on Sunday is the second one. And the rest of the games that you're playing are challenge cup, which is essentially meaningless at this point for the thorns. They, Although important opportunities. None, nonetheless, they, they will take those opportunities to develop players, no yeah. doubt. And, and we'll take them seriously. It's not like they're, they're chuffing it or anything. They, yeah. they very much care about using those games to develop their team, but they're not going to advance in the challenge cup in all likelihood. And so the, the onus then becomes on them to, to get the result in Gotham. And then um, there is a match scheduled for the 20th of August. That is the same day as the world cup final. Uh, one can assume that the United States has a real good shot at being there. No guarantees, as we've said before, but that game will potentially have you without Sophia Smith and Crystal Dunn. So that's another one that you have circled as like a, you need to carry good form into that game in order to, to get your result. But and, and as, that, we've, seen, way as we've seen in past years, I think there are even one or two after that, that if the U S gets to the world cup final could also be impacted because we've seen that, Players are not exactly back from the World Cup the next day very often. It oftentimes takes a week or two weeks. So there are potentially uh, a, another, I think, game or maybe even two that might be implicated if if one of the Thorns cohorts uh, makes a run uh, a, a run to the final uh, as to whether they'll be back and 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 fully in full go uh, without without minutes limits or anything like that. So I you know I and and so I think for that reason those Challenge Cup games are going to be kind of important. Uh, you know, I think the game against Gotham is, is a 10th criterion game, right? It's, it is, that is the, that, that is the one thing you want to do. You want points above all else uh, in that one. Those challenge cup games on, on the other hand are going to be kind of, you know, beauty over result uh, in terms of, uh, of, of the development that you're seeing and the cohesion you're seeing from the unit and uh, getting ready for however long that period is sort of on the back end of the window in which, I think it's fair to assume you're going to be missing some players for some period of that brief window. Any other thoughts on that thorns match? And then maybe the challenge cut match previous that, that didn't make it into that discussion that, that you wanted to share. Not a ton. I mean, you know, it's, I, I, it's a, it's just a little bit unfair to be, I think drawing big sweeping conclusions. I, I, you know, I think we talked about the, we may, I think we talked about the Challenge Cup when we were on here last time. We we're trying to remember the timing of our conversation. I think it was the day after. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of those same comments apply that this window is going to be really, you know, kind of critical for Mike Norris to see how he can sort of put this team back together. And I think you can look even at the game on the weekend against the current, notwithstanding the result, and see some progress on that front. Again, that tenth criterion, and 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 you know, hitting the target, uh, literally hitting the target is uh, is 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 an important one, and and it's an important one from a coaching perspective too. 
because if you have lots of clear chances, that finishing variance uh, is going to even out. Uh, it's when it, it, it's when you don't have lots of clear chances uh, that you start ruining the ones that hit the post. That next game for the Thorns on the road at Gotham FC, 2.30 p.m. Pacific on Sunday, July 9th, uh, live stream on Paramount+. Plus. Timbers are off till the 15th. Um, probably going to be some news between now and then, one would guess. But who's to say? Could be a the, lot of news. Uh, <laughs> could, the, the big news around that game, obviously, is that Diego Valeri will be honored that night uh, and put into the ring of honor will be for a special the Timbers, night. which is going to be a really special night. Uh, and that game, of course, against the Columbus crew, which is truly fitting to to decide that to be the game uh for for valeri's honors um but but plenty of other things in the headlines right now for the portland timbers and we will continue to keep an eye on that and all other stories uh, in the coming weeks follow us on twitter at soccer maiden pdx at ryan t clark and at chris reifer uh like us subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts leave a review if you so choose um Tweet at us if you're curious about anything or have any additional clarifying questions about the subjects we went into today. Um, you know, we'll we'll try to answer as many as as we can. But you know, my Twitter has has been a little busy today, so I'll, I'll do my best. Um, thanks again for joining us, y'all, and we will see you next week.